listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 291, and today we are talking about some of our most anticipated books of 2021. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Liberty. How are you? I'm doing all right. It was my wife's birthday yesterday, and we, I mean, we both just worked from home. It's not like we're going out doing anything because there's a pandemic, but we watched the Class Action Park documentary because I remember you talking about the Action Park book that came out this summer. And so we watched that. It was wild. It's amazing. That actually is a real thing that existed. It was great. And also they had so many celebrities that had been there when they were kids, too, which was pretty funny. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. But now I'm going to go back and read the Action Park book. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a little different in tone because it's by his son, you know, who is like on the inside, you know, as opposed to like these people being like, yeah, I went there and like all my skin came off, you know, when I jumped in the pool or, you know, something weird like that. I mean, it was a very dangerous place. Yeah, like the one where it's like people were going in and they were getting lacerations and then we opened up the water slide and found they were getting cut on the teeth <laughs> left in the water slide from the people who were on the slide before them and got their teeth knocked out. And it's just like, well, yeah, I don't know. The 80s were wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, that's the basic theme of like the documentary, too, is, you know, all these people saying like, you could never do this now. And, you know, we were wild as children. But that's what it was like, you know, I'm like, you know, latchkey kid. And now it's like, you don't have that kind of stuff going on anymore. You could never do that. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty funny. Plus, it's narrated by John Hodgman, who I just love him so much. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I'm not well because we were discussing earlier, uh, you are in California, I am in Maine. I put my back out shoveling today because we have over a foot of snow and our plow guy, all his people called out sick. And so I had to shovel some and now I'm very unhappy to be sitting down. But I am excited to be talking about books, but not happy to be sitting. But, uh, you know, where you are in California, shoveling snow is not an issue that you have to contend with. <laughs> I have literally never shoveled snow in my life. Have you seen snow in person? <laughs> I have seen like like in where I live in California, like we drive to the snow up in Lake Tahoe. Like so I've been to the snow. Mm -hmm. Also down um LA, Big Bear, been to the snow. But I lived in Philadelphia for a year. Oh, well, there and you it go. Snowed. Yeah. It snowed while I lived there. But I was like in the city. It's not like I was shoveling yeah. anything. I lived in an apartment. So, yeah, it's not fun. But I actually, when I was in high school, uh, there was a kid who moved to Maine from California, and I was there the first time he saw snow. And it's kind of a really amazing experience to see somebody's face when they realize, like, this is actually happening, <laughs> you know? And we actually climbed out the, the window of the math room which you probably can't do now. The windows probably don't even open. But we climbed out the window of the math room and uh, got detention because he wanted to go outside and see the snow. And I was like, I'm game. Let's go. Yeah, that's legit, though, because I remember when it first snowed when I lived in Philly and I woke up before work and it was morning. I was like, 6.30 in the morning, and I was so excited, and I called my mom, who was in California still, three hours behind. So it was a good 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I'm like, Mom, it's snowing. And she's like, I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a cool thing. I like it, you know, because 
Probably because I don't have to drive in it. Yeah, that's true. Although not a fan of shoveling it. But I did want to tell you a story. One more story. Story time. Yes, please. So it's about this great mystery in my house that's been going on for years. I thought that my husband was turning our heat up occasionally and like not remembering. You know, we've lived together for seven years now. And he would be like, it's so hot in here. And I'm like, well, you know, I keep the heat at 70 and I go over to the thermostat and it would be set at like 74 or something. And I'm like, I'm like, did you turn this up? And he's like, no. And so all this time I've been like, I think he's just kind of forgetting that he does it. So yesterday (laughs) in the morning, I was like, it's so hot in here. And I was like, the heat was set at 76. And I said, well, I didn't set it at 76. Because the rule in the house is that like I am in charge of the heat. And so later in the day, he's like, it's so hot in here. And I was like, well, it's I just turned it down this morning. I don't know why it was up. And he's like, well, I didn't change it. And so finally, we we just like sort of figured it out because it was set at 78 again last night. So we watched the thermostat and eventually like Malay got up on top of this speaker that's under the thermostat on the wall and she started rubbing her face against it and she turned (gasps) the heat like the heat kicked on. She's been the heat (laughs) bandit the whole time. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Is this this is like the definition of a cozy mystery? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. Yes. It is. a night. I like that idea better than like, you know, my husband is just doing it to Make me think I'm losing Gaslight my mind. You. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, honestly, I'm like, how is... And it, I don't know why it never occurred to me that it was the cats, but because they get into everything else, but it was. I was going to say, it's it's always the cats. I know. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that, but it was pretty funny. And she's usually the good one, but nope. Of course, it would make Since they just got here, the boys just got here a couple of years ago, if they had been doing it before then, that would have been impossible. So... <laughs> All right, that's my very long um, snow and heat story. Love it. You know, I'm from Maine. I have to mention one of or two of those things, you know, in the winter. But today we're going to talk about books that we are excited about that are coming in 2021. Some of these were available to us to read. Some of them were not. We're going to give you a little descriptions of them. But before we do that, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her Abachan died, 
Elban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K. Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. Okay, my first pick. I've been talking about these books everywhere. So I feel like I've already talked about it on the show, but I have not. But I'm so excited for The Rib King by Lady Hubbard. She wrote The Talented Ribkins, which came out a couple of years ago with Melville House. This is a larger press release. It's fantastic. It's set in the early 1900s in the South. It's about the black staff of a once wealthy white family who have fallen on hard times. And it's up to them to make it appear as though the family is still as wealthy as they have been. Um, You know, when they give, they make them give dinners and like, prepare all these fancy meals when they don't even really have the money to buy the stuff. And meanwhile, there's infighting among the staff who are upset about, like, people have lost positions, people have been promoted. And on top of that, there are just horrible fights and just awful events going on outside of the town involving white supremacists who are just attacking Black people as they're on their way to work. And there's protests and it's it's very it's a very intense time for these people right now as they're trying to like go to their job. And then it switches to 10 years in the future when some events have taken place and we're now hearing about like some of the other characters that were involved in the first section of the book. It's so fantastic. I loved the characters. I loved the story. I mean, it's so original. I I absolutely loved the story and everywhere that it went. I have read it twice now because I'm obsessed with it, basically. And it's probably, I'm going to call it now, it's probably my favorite book of next year, as far as books that I've already read. It's just so good. So that is The Talented, nope, that's the first one that she wrote, never mind. It's The Rib King by Lady Hubbard. So the first book I'm going to talk about that is out next year is Victories Greater Than Death by Charlie Jane Anders. I am wildly excited for this book. This is the one that I'm going to talk about today that I have read already, but I'm desperate for it to come out so that I can talk to people about it. It is an epic best friend space adventure. It is clearly the first in a series or at least the first of a couple books. And if you like She-Ra and the Princesses of Power reboot, which I am obsessed with, then Victories Greater Than Death is for you. Our teenage main character, Tina, is like an a- like a reincarnated alien hiding on Earth until it's time for her like beacon to light up. When that occurs, she will immediately become a target for some murderous aliens. But also, the intergalactic force that she is actually supposed to be a part of will come looking for her so she can join this epic space battle that has been going on. She's just hoping that the good aliens find her before the murderous ones. It is sci-fi to the max, tons of different non-Earthling life forms, and they're not just like humans, but green, or humans, but with tentacles. 
the author does a phenomenal job of really thinking beyond Earthlings' limited views of life. It was such a fun read. I laughed out loud multiple times, and I couldn't tear myself away from it. It's Victories Greater Than Death by Charlie Jane Anders, and it's out April 13th. I haven't seen the She-Ra reboot, but I did used to watch it all the time when I was a child. I was a big fan. Yes, that too. You recommend it? I recommend it. <laughs> it was great. And then the final season was out in May when we were like two months into like lockdown. And it was so necessary. So much joy. Loved it. So it's all done. So it's all done. So you could just marathon it. Those are my favorite words. It's all done. I'm very impatient when it comes to TV. Like, I want to know everything all at once. So a completed series <laughs> is so exciting for me. Yeah. My next pick is We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen. It comes out on January 26th. I don't think I said when The Rib King comes out. That comes out on January 19th. Forgive me. I'm so out of sorts. So this one, We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen, is a superhero story of sorts about two people uh, who wake up separately in different apartments. They don't know how they got there. They don't know like whose apartment this is. They don't know who they are. But as they start to, you know, there's some notes that say like, you know, hey, don't sweat it. You know, you have memory loss, but don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. As they start to like come around, they realize they have superpowers. And so one of them, Zoe, decides to use her powers for good. Whereas Jamie decides to use his powers for evil. And so he turns into a bank robber. He thinks that robbing banks is like the, like sort of like a victimless crime. Uh, and Zoe is, in fact, the person who's going to try and catch him because that's what she does. Instead, they become an unlikely pair of friends and discover that they have a similar backstory and maybe their powers and their memory loss come from the same place. And so they're going to work that out. I loved this book. It's super fun. I love the action-adventure scenes. It's hard, I think, to do action and adventure, like, chase scenes and fight scenes, you know, in novels. And it's just done so well. And But especially their friendship. Just big, big, big heart eyes to their friendship. So this one is We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen, and it's out January 26th. That sounds like so much fun. It's adorable. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Okay. My next book is The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. This book came onto my radar when I attended FireCon back in October, and I heard the author herself talk about it a bit. I immediately made grabby hands because I need this book. It's YA, it's fantasy, and the cover is gorgeous if you're able to, like, see it. In the world of this book, when you're 16, there's a blood ceremony. If your blood flows red, then you get to truly be a member of your village. But if you are cut and your blood is gold, then you are impure because gold is the color of impurity. And there's a fate worse than death in your future. Of course, the main character has gold blood, but instead of being consigned to her fate, a mysterious woman gives her a different option. And, you know, I found... I read a lot of nonfiction, and so I'm really making a lot of grabby hands toward more sci-fi and fantasy in this next year, and this book is at the top of my list. Really excited for it. It's The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna, and it's out February 9th. My next pick, uh, before I discuss it, I just want to give a heads up that 
there is some upsetting subject matter in the description of this book regarding capital punishment. So if that's something you're sensitive to, you might want to skip the description. The book I am going to speak about is Two Truths and a Lie, A Murder, A Private Investigator, and Her Search for Justice by Ellen McGarrahan. Ellen McGarrahan was a young, new rookie reporter. I guess new rookie is probably redundant. <laughs> she was a rookie reporter in Miami when she was assigned to cover the execution of an inmate who had been convicted of killing two police officers. And when she went there, things went horribly wrong during the execution. And she was repeatedly called on over the next several years to testify about what she saw. It understandably distressed her so much. She left her job and became sort of like rootless, like moving around. She couldn't figure out what she wanted to do. You know, she was haunted by what she saw. And she eventually became a private investigator um, and got her license and worked as a private investigator for many years. But over the years, she heard whispers about how possibly the man whose execution she attended was not, in fact, guilty of that crime. And so she decided she was going to solve it herself and get to the bottom of the truth. Is that a is that a thing that makes sense? The bottom of the the bottom of the case. So it's fantastic. I mean, she interviewed like hundreds of people involved in the case. There's a there's all these like strange characters that get involved in it, and I I loved it. It's probably my favorite true crime book of next year. It's called Two Truths and a Lie: A Murder, a Private Investigator, and Her Search for Justice by Ellen McGarrahan. It comes out on February second. My next pick is Kink, Stories Edited by R.O. Kwan and Garth Greenwell. This one is for adult audiences or mature audiences. I feel like ideas of adulthood and maturity around what books should be read are actually really complicated and nuanced. So instead, let's say this book is for those of us who are into kink or enjoy reading about kink. Yes, perverts. Yes, BDSM. I'm expecting a lot out of this anthology. Maybe even a step beyond typical erotic anthologies and short story collections. And I say that I'm expecting so much because the contributor list is absolutely out of this world. Roxanne Gay, Carmen Maria Machado, Alexander Chi, and so many more people have stories in this book. These aren't just explorations of sex, but all the things that kinky sex can entail, like love, desire, power exchange. I'm really, really looking forward to this. It's Kink, stories edited by Aro Kwan and Garth Greenwell, also out on February 9th. Okay, my next book is something completely different. Uh, it is Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi who wrote Permanent Record and Emergency Contact. Excellent, excellent new adult books. And this one, I think, is my favorite of hers so far. It's about two sisters, Jane and June. They are like three years apart. June is the older sister. And Jane is having a hard time in her life. They some Somehow, both sisters, they're from Texas, but they both ended up in New York City. And Jane has always had a hard time because she feels like her older sister, June, is the favorite. June has an illustrious career. She has tons of money. She has all the admiration of Jane's parents. And so when June reaches out to Jane and says, I want to meet, she's like, ugh, what's it like? She can rub it in my face that she's the favorite. But instead, uh, Jane tells her that she has cancer. And what happens after that kind of brings them together and helps them learn a lot and grow a lot both of them. It's 
just a fantastic i don't have a sister so when a, a book about sisters like moves me like this i'm like that is some good writing uh, and i'm and i thought it was sad and funny and it, i felt like i was reading about people that i knew like i was listening to somebody be like and then jane did this like telling me a story in a bar i mean it was just so great so this is yolk yolk is in like the egg I can't tell if you can hear it through my main accent. Um, it's by Mary H.K. Choi, and it comes out March 2nd. So I am really excited for Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Two things. I feel like I've been waiting all my life for this book, yet at the same time, it is the book that I didn't know that I needed. It has everything. Romantic comedy, murder mystery, a family business that does weddings, meddling aunties. Aunties are significant in both my cultures, both Black culture and Filipino culture, and I'm really excited for a book that has them as focus characters and not just like the quirky side character. Like I know in my life, my aunties play a really big role, and so I really am excited to have a book that like I said, focuses on them. So it begins, there's an accidental murder of someone's blind date, and her aunties are basically called in to help hide the body. Hijinks ensue. I definitely tried to cultivate big auntie energy, and I cannot wait to dive into this book. It's out April 27th. It's Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sutanto. That was another one of those books that the film rights sold, I think, before the script, the excuse me, the manuscript was even finished. You know, it just sounds fantastic. Wow. Before I tell you about my next pick, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. 
But the Duke's motives become increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Okay, my next pick is the other book that I've been calling my probably favorite book of 2021. It is In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. It's so fantastic. First of all, it's kind of sci-fi. I mean, it's it is sci-fi. It's set in space partly and you know, it's in the future and space travel is a thing, but it's also this incredible look at like this lonely young girl who is an absolute genius and her life. It's about a girl named June. That's two books about people named June that I'm talking about. That's so exciting. Not really. But anyway, uh, it's about a young girl named June. In the beginning, she's 12 years old. Uh, space travel is a thing that everybody does. Like you can go to school to become a worker on a, a space station or an astronaut or whatever you want to do. You go to like space Hogwarts and there you have it. And June has lost her parents. She lives with her aunt and uncle. Her uncle is a genius. He has a school named after him, one of these space schools, because he's such a genius. And he passes away. And so her aunt sends her to the school, even though she's not old enough to attend it because she doesn't know what to do with her. And they take June in because she's a genius and because, you know, her uncle is, you know, the founder of the school. So while she's there, she's figuring out all these cool things. She invents all these things. She's making these little creations of her own mechanical inventions. Uh, but also there is a missing uh, space shuttle that has been declared lost. And June figures out that the shuttle and the crew are still out there. But nobody really wants to listen to her because she's 12 even though she's a genius. And so then later on, we see June again when she's 18. And now she's up in space and she's determined to make contact with the shuttle after everyone else has given up hope. It's so good. It's so good. I liked it because it's like there's space adventures and accidents in space and all this drama. And yet the the tone of the book is like very muted. It's never like asteroids and explosions and all this stuff you know it's just like very low-key the whole time even when big stuff is happening i loved it loved it i also read this one twice because i loved it so much um it is called in the quick it's by kate hope day and it comes out march 2nd my next pick is remote control by nady okorafor i know i've said this before on the show or on backlist but i really really do love tour novellas and this is one that i'm looking forward to that's out next month i also have enjoyed some of nedi okorafor's other work like the binti trilogy and akata witch and this book in remote control an alien artifact turns a young girl into death's adopted daughter and then she and her fox companions search for the artifact in hopes that it will give her some meaning beyond you know death excuse me Yes, please. And I love I love when death is kind of personified. So this is Death's Daughter, Death with a capital D. And it's sci-fi and adventure, and this novella fits so much inside of it. What I know about Okorafor's work is that when I read it, I know that it will be like nothing I've ever read before. And so I'm really excited to dive into this. 
This is Remote Control by Nettie Okorafor, out January 19th. My next pick is another sci-fi-ish fantastic novel. It is called We Are Satellites by Sarah Pinsker, who recently wrote um, Songs for a New Day and... The story collection, the title of which is that is escaping my brain as we speak, um, that I absolutely loved a couple of years ago. And this novel is possibly the best thing by her that I have read, which is saying something because she's so fantastic. Uh, it's about a future where people have wearable tech that you kind of have Im- you can have implanted into your temple. And it's a device that helps you pay attention and helps you multitask and helps your brain think of several things at one time. So, of course, it's very expensive, and so the people who are able to afford it have an advantage, and it leaves other people behind. And the main focus of this book is this family, these two moms and their daughter and son. The son wants to get one of these implants, and one of the moms wants him to be able to, and the other mom isn't really sure. And they have a daughter who suffers from seizures, and because she has seizures, she's not allowed to get one of these implants. And so... Um, One mom decides she's going to go without an implant while the other mom gets one to um, help her son, like, or know what her son is, like, going through because he decides to get one. He becomes the poster boy, like, genius for these implants while her daughter and the other mom kind of feel left behind. But it's also about, like, what are they really using these implants for? Are they tracking people? Are they getting people's information? They're this, you know, protest group kind of secret group becomes really popular and they're trying to take down this company it's awesome and seems completely plausible like absolutely plausible that you know in the future we're going to be having things implanted into our bodies that you know do do things it's so great it is called we are satellites it's by sarah pinsker and it comes out may 11th my next pick is sorrowland by river solomon I have wanted to read more from River Solomon, and I'm really looking forward to this book. A woman named Vern is seven months pregnant and escapes from the strict religious compound where she was raised. She runs off to the forest and has her babies. She has twins, who is she? She is determined to raise away from outside influences. Of course, she couldn't just escape from the place she was raised without being hunted, and she does some incredibly brutal things to defend herself and her children. And I guess she goes through some kind of changes in defending herself and defending her children. And to understand this change, she learns the truth about the compound and the violence in American history that created it. It sounds like such an intense piece of gothic fiction, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. It's Sorrowland by River Solomon, out May 4th. My next pick is Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson, which is not out until August of next year, but Nicholas Butler, who is an author I greatly admire, was going on and on and on about this amazing debut novel. And so I got my hands on a copy and I read it and it is indeed excellent. It's set in the 1970s in a Pacific Northwest logging town. It revolves around this one family who have lived there their whole lives. Rich Gunderson, his dad used to work logging and his dad, I mean, it's like generations of families. And now he's law he's doing it himself, but change is coming to Damnation Grove. The 
family is is very poor and Rich's wife wants to have another baby and she's been unable to, after having her first child to have another one and it turns out that there are a lot of problems uh, in the town conceiving for most of the women and it looks like it might have something to do with something that's going on in the town and so the town it might get shut down and that's really bad for everyone's business. And meanwhile, Rich is like trying to buy this giant piece of land to have for himself so he doesn't have to like work for anyone anymore, like be the first person in his family that doesn't have to work for someone else. It reminded me a little bit of Bark Skins by Annie Prue. Obviously not the early part of that book, which is like 300 years in the past, but um, like about the logging. It's also a bit like Greenwood by Michael Christie. It's big. It's epic. It's sprawling. It's fantastic. It is Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson out August 3rd. My next pick is Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover-Tawab. When I saw that Nedra Glover-Tawab is going to have a book out, I legit squealed. I am a huge fan of Tawab's Instagram and I also am just really excited for more self-help by people who look like me. Um, sometimes I see a lot of self-help and it's like, yeah, it would be easy for you to do that thing because you have these certain privileges and it doesn't really pertain to me and my experience. If you've read my personal newsletter, you know that I am really big on boundaries and Tawab is absolute goals when it comes to boundary setting. She is a licensed therapist and an expert on boundaries. I get so much out of every single post she has on Instagram and this book is like all of her posts and then some. It's not only about what healthy boundaries look like, but ideally how to draw them Maybe even how to draw boundaries without feeling guilty or that you're being rude or disrespectful by having boundaries. I am beyond excited for this, not only to read it for myself, but then hopefully have it to recommend to other people. It's Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover Tawab, out March 16th. And just in time for us to record this podcast, this is the one book I have not read yet because the information about it just dropped yesterday. It is Harlem Shuffle, the new novel from Colson Whitehead that is coming out in the fall. Oh my goodness. So exciting. So I don't know anything about it, except it says it's a gloriously entertaining novel of heists, shakedowns, and ripoffs set in Harlem in the 1960s. It's about an upstanding salesman named Ray Carney who has fallen on hard times, and so he starts going back to his roots and gets involved in some kind of shady deals and stuff. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Of course, it's going to be awesome. You know, Colson Whitehead, he's won the Pulitzer, he's won the National Book Award, he's won like eight bazillion awards. I, this might be the one I'm most excited for now that is coming out next year that I haven't read. Uh, so that is Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead coming on September 14th. And my last pick is Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson. Everyone, the bloggist has a new book coming out. Like her other books, this one is very personal. As a person with mental illnesses myself, I deeply appreciate Jenny Lawson's takes on things like depression. Mental illness can be so many things, and people are hesitant to point out that sometimes things are absurd or sometimes things are even funny. And yes, things can be serious and sad and heartbreaking, 
and humorous at the same time. We all contain multitudes. In this book, Lawson shares about her experience being treated with transcranial magnetic simulation in a way that is brutally honest and intimate. And you can expect a lot of the banana stories that we've come to appreciate and identify with from Lawson as well, like how her vacuum cleaner set her house on fire. I read both her first book, Let's Pretend This Never Happened, and her other book, Furiously Happy. So they were both laugh out loud funny, and I'm really, really looking forward to this book. It's Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson, out April 6th. I've probably said this before, but be prepared for me to mention it 800,000 more times. But (laughs) last year, I received a DM on Twitter from Jenny Lawson, and I was like, obviously, this is a fake. Why would she be messaging me? And she asked if she could use one of my tweets in her book. And I have a copy of this. I've I've read it. And there is a chapter called, uh, I think it's like awkwarding. And she just collected all these tweets that people had written about really awful, not or not really awful, but like awkward experiences that they had. It was based on uh, her getting on a plane when and she was like leaving the, the airport and the person at the counter was like, have a nice flight. And she was like, you too, you know, like, something like that. <laughs> and so she used my tweet about how that one time, because I know that everyone listening will find this hard to believe, but I talk kind of fast. And uh, she used my tweet about that one time, instead of saying the man booker long list, I said the man liquor bong list to a customer and never lived it down. Oh, my favorite. I love that story. I saw it in the in print uh, just this morning. I got my copy in the mail and it's it's amazing. So I'll mention that like 800 more times. I'm in the Jenny Lawson book, you know. <laughs> For being awkward. I love it. Yeah. That's what I, I have to, to cling to right now as I am now kneeling on the floor because my back is... Is hurting so much. I'm so out of sorts today. <laughs> All right. So those are books that we are really excited about coming out next year. What are you going to read next? Right now, I am working on reading Ray Bearer Woo-hoo! by Jordan Ifuiko. I know it's been on my list and I have a little downtime between now and our next show. So I'm very excited. It's one of the best way fantasy books of this year, if not of yeah. the last several years. Just absolutely fantastic. I have a hard time tearing myself away from it. I'm only like a third way through it, and it's phenomenal. So it was funny that you mentioned Tor novellas earlier, because for someone who reads a lot, sometimes I'm not very good at reading. And I had about an hour before we were going to record today, and I had heard about this uh, book from Tor called Star Eater by Kirsten Hall, which is cannibal priestesses who ride giant cat mounts. I was like, (laughs) excuse me? Right? I was like, this book was written for me. So I was like, well, I'm going to grab this novella and I'm going to sit down and start reading it before we do the show. And I have a ton of work tonight, you know, so I'll like finish it up. And do- No, it's 500 pages. I am bad at reading. <laughs> so now I'm like a quarter of the way into it. And I was like, I can't stop. It's so awesome. It's like cannibal priestesses and eldritch horrors and cannibals yeah cannibals <laughs> and giant cats yeah it was like someone said cats, yeah what could we write that would make liberty so ridiculously happy and they're like cannibal priestesses and giant cat mounts it's scratching like my world of warcraft itches because i just love like giant animal mounts you know things like you ride around in battle and stuff and oh it's so great i can't wait to get back to it which i'm going to do now uh once we wrap it up here today that is it for us Thank you to our sponsors. 
Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Patricia is the info file, which is T H E I N F O P H I L E. Uh, that is for both Twitter and Instagram. I hang out mostly on Instagram at Brandon Comes Alive. If you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading.